Support Ops Podcast, and I'm your host, Chase Clements. The show is devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. You can find us on the web at supportops.co and on Twitter, we're at supportops there. This is episode number 14, sponsored by HelpSpot, an absolutely great support app from the team at Userscape. With HelpSpot, you actually own your support app rather than just renting it from some company. It's a free 45-day trial, absolutely no strings attached, and you can save 100 bucks when you check it out at helpspot.com forward slash support ops. Ian gave us that code just for you, so make sure to check it out, helpspot.com forward slash support ops. I'm really excited about today's guest. I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. Uh, not that any of the other past ones you've listened to haven't been, but uh, you know, I've been talking to him before. Uh, he's just great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really enlightening. The guest for today's show is Adam Stakoviak, right? Stakoviak? Yeah, yeah, that's it. You yeah. got on the... Perfectly. Nice. I nailed it. Awesome. So Adam is the uh, product manager at Pure Charity. Check them out. Um, he's also the host on some of the great podcasts I listen to, including The Industry. I was on that one. So make sure to check that one out. Founders Talk and The Change Log. So hi, Adam. Thanks for uh, being on the show. What's up, Chase? How are you? Not much. It's uh, been a day. It's a good day. Good day. Today's Wednesday. It is. Today is Wednesday. Although by the time our uh, our audience listens to this, it probably won't be Wednesday. No. When do you publish the shows? So it kind of uh, varies. I've got one in front of you, so that'll go live tomorrow, Thursday, April the fourth, and then you'll be the next week. So oh, cool. Yeah, Thursday. We'll say yeah. They'll be listening to this on a Thursday. Okay. Yeah, a little different. We're not a live show like uh, like the industry. So it's yeah, the industry's live. You you had some fun with that, right? I did. The chat room was a, a lot of fun. So uh, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> it, it is different. Thinking about it for here, I don't uh, not entirely sold on it for our show yet, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It kind of depends on what uh, you know what angle you're going for. Like some of those newsier shows you have, maybe live. You know, right, right. See, that's what I need to do. I need to split those and have the see, newsier ones. See, that's a whole live. different kind of show, though, because you got like this conversation we're going to have, which is totally going to revolve around support and chiseling out the right kind of support person and how to integrate them into your team and how to ship software the right way and how to integrate design and how support relates to design. I mean, we're going to talk about all that fun stuff, but those shows are a little bit different than those ones. Yeah, they, they're a little bit different, which gives us a good lead in here. Tell us a little bit about yourself so we can lay the foundation for the rest of our, our conversation. Uh, well, I guess since you mentioned earlier... Um, I'm the product manager at Pure Charity, so that's where I kind of get a lot of my, I guess, um, opinions and ways of doing things, probably in regards to this call here talking about support because we at Pure Charity, we're, we're a platform basically helping people to live generously. Um, you can back a nonprofit project and help build a well in Malawi. You know, you can do a ton of fun stuff. You can shop at uh, at certain places and get money back into what we call your giving fund. That way, you can actually give that money away. So it's it's designing a lifestyle around living generously. So it's it's really a cool platform, PureTrady.com. But we have had um, the need for support for a while because we've been launched for like a year now, maybe eight months or something like that. I don't know. We were in beta for a bit there, so we weren't really sure if we were launched or not. It's you know, it's like that, are we are we launched? Are we not launched? It's a you nebulous know. face. Yeah, it's like in the middle there. <laughs> but, you know, I get the great privilege of, of uh, 
helping to lead the product and it's a lot of fun. But we, you know, I wanted to come on this show to talk a lot about support because, man, I'm just like behind the ball. You know, I, I think I know what to do. I'm not really sure what to do. We got to hire some people to do some of these things. Right now, I'm taking care of most of it. And there's just a lot of question marks. Yeah. See, you're not the only person that can about. We were talking to Jeff from Wistia last time, and he was in the same kind of thing. It's there. There's a couple of them that are, are designers or programmers and, and that kind of thing still doing support and doing it like on their off times and that kind of thing. Um, but they didn't have like a full time dedicated support person until recently. And it's kind of a, a whole new ball game at that point. Yeah, it is. I think it is. Yeah. So. You know what? Uh, with this conversation day, it's a little different than uh, you know some of the past interviews and things we've done because we're going to kind of be fleshing these things out as we go, and and so there'll be lots of ums and I think and and all that. But like you mentioned, we want to talk about what happens when you reach that point when you realize you need to hire your first support person. You need to transition into a company that has a support team that that makes sure that they interact with the rest of the company and, and all that kind of joys that go along with it. Um, so let's let's start basics. How did you know it was the the time to start looking for a dedicated support person? Well, the easiest way to say it would be um, we – so we kind of – there's a little bit of a backstory to answer that one the right way. We, we started out um, using – you know, I don't know if it's it's a big deal mentioning particular softwares on this show or not, Go but we started it. using Zendesk and it wasn't that great for us. It just wasn't the experience. They probably have a great product, it just didn't fit us. And uh, you know, I, I knew something else had to be better out there. We were about to launch, we were opening the doors to getting users, and you know, we just couldn't have nothing. You know, we had to have mm-hmm. some way for somebody to get in contact with us. And it couldn't just be like an email address or a contact form. It had to be something a bit more robust. Um, and I happen to have um, uh, Sarah Hatter on the show, Founders Talk. So if you guys listen to the show, know of Founders Talk. It's on 5x5, five five, a lot of great shows on there. Sarah Hatter happened to be one of the guests on there. And we hit it off well. She was on for two shows. And uh, after that, I decided to like look into hiring her to help us build out our initial support phase. So we essentially outsourced the consulting of it. And that got us into a groove. It got us good and, good and going. But I think the only problem with that situation is that um, whenever you try to outsource support, is, and you'll know this, Chase, because of what you do, that it's so core to the product and it's so core to the business that it, it, it has to be somebody who really – and not that Sarah didn't care, but somebody who really cares, somebody who's integrated, somebody who's seeing things through, somebody with access, somebody with – abilities that you just can't give to a third party like that. So I think we thought it would work out well, but um, you know, it just turned out that we really needed to start focusing on somebody that can actually work for us, work with us, and care about our mission just like every other um, team member of Pure Charity. So that was when I really realized it. Yeah, and for listeners, if you don't know, Sarah Hatter, she used to be at 37 Signals, then started out on her own with a, a new... Uh, a new company called CoSupport, CoSupport.us. So CoSupport us. Check her out. Um, yeah, it's like you mentioned it. 
It's tough. It's, it's tough to outsource, tough. period. I mean, yeah. outsourcing software, outsourcing, I mean, anything, outsourcing anything. And Sarah, you know, she did a great job setting us up. She helped me, she helped me tons learning about desk, helped me tons learn how to answer the right way. But at some point, there were things that just weren't working out right. And it's because she wasn't part of our team. It's not because she didn't do her job well or she couldn't do it right. It's just because in the end, that's a job. And that's why I wanted to come on the show to talk to you about. How do you hire the right person? Because we hire the right person to help us get started, but not the, not the right person to help us on the long term. And we were looking for somebody that could do that. And we just found ourselves in a situation where we didn't have all the answers. So I'm like, Chase, let me come on your show. Let's talk about support, man. And here we are. Yeah, it's a timely topic. I was, uh, like I mentioned, talking about with Jeff and, and a couple other friends, and it's something that, that I've been working with, uh, working through too. And, and, you know, when you make that first support hire, the first support hire is so critical to setting the tone for how your customer support is going to be. They have to be as passionate as you are about customers, because if they're not, then it just kind of leaves your customers without a real voice when it comes to your company. You know, you make the wrong hire for a designer, then yeah, your design's going to be off. You can go back and tweak that later. If you make the wrong programmer choice or the wrong ops guy choice, then yeah, you're going to have some problems that you go back and fix. Um, But it's not something that, you know, you make the wrong support hire and you're talking, you're losing customers because they're turning them off. Yeah. And you know, not only losing customers, but potentially having a PR nightmare. I mean, if it doesn't go well and they don't answer the right way, it could come off the wrong way. It, who knows what the situation could be? It could be about sensitive data. Yeah, you say and, they say the wrong thing on Twitter, and then all of a sudden it's a nightmare. And <sighs> even if they delete the tweet, people are still digging it up and finding it. Yeah, I mean, it, you put it on the internet, folks. It's not del- you can't delete it. No, it's, there. it's there. Google cache. <laughs> Google's got it on some server somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's kind of start with basics. What? You know, when we talk about hiring the first support person, what what are we looking for? Um, you know, when you're kind of looking for this new person, are there anything that kind of sticks out that you you just absolutely have to have in them? I'll tell you what. What we're thinking about at Pure Charity, and I think it's unique to us. It may not be exactly the same for everyone, but I think we're taking it from the approach of not just support, but somebody who is like a community manager. Mm-hmm. And somebody that has the ability to interact not just with people through support, but, um, you know, doing the outreach on Twitter, you know, not just providing any sort of support, but actually being in the trenches, as Gary Vaynerchuk might say, you know, being in the trenches in the community. And so their job really doesn't become support. It just becomes being integrated to the community that we're building at Pure Charity, which is a community of people who care about being generous, you know, and giving back to nonprofit projects and the whole, you know, the whole spiel. But um, I think that's the approach we're taking, not just someone who does support. Yeah, especially as a small company, it's one of those where the first support person you're going to hire is going to wear a couple of different hats. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to answer questions. They're going to help out customers. They're, they're going to do marketing when it comes to, you know, sending out things on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. They're going to field questions there. They're, they're going to want to be able to, to actually kind of establish, well, not establish, but to grow the community that you've got going on with yeah. your charity. So somebody that isn't, that, that can only answer an email isn't going to do you any good. No. I mean, answering an email, but also understanding what our application's problems are and helping us fill out that knowledge base. You know, that knowledge base is crucial to help, uh, you know, 
potentially prevent some support because if we're doing a good job of one designing a good interface that doesn't require support, hey, try that. Yeah. Um, and the, or two, having the right kind of documentation in place with good screenshots and easily accessible and findable, and you know that way, you know their support answers are um, are less about you know, hey, this is how you fix it, and it's like three paragraphs, and the person gets it back and they're like, oh my god, I don't got time to read that. You know, it could be you know a, a summary of it and pointing them to a particular knowledge base article, saying this one here is exactly your scenario, and then rinse and repeat every time you have a new problem, basically. Right. This is definitely not, especially the first support hire. You know, after that, we can we can kind of scale back the what we're looking for in a person kind of. But that first one has to be somebody that knows how to do these things. It's not a, you don't want them learning on the job. No, I, I don't, no, I don't think you can have them learn on the job. <laughs> not if, not if you care. No, I think I mean, there's, I think at some point you always learn on your job, so yeah. you can't say that. But they can't be totally green to support. They can't be totally green to just providing um, good customer service to anyone. Mm-hmm. Being polite, you know. I always think of it like um, whenever I go, for example, to let's say like a convenience store or something like that, mm-hmm. and I go up to the cash register and I'm getting my pack of gum. You know, I, I say, "Hey, Dave. Hey, Bob, or whatever the person's name is, if they have a name tag." Or at least say hello to them. I don't just you know throw my gum on a thing and hand on my card and walk away. I you know I have a little interaction there. So you want somebody who, who desires peaceful, polite interactions with other human beings and helping the world. Right, and I, I should clarify here. When I got hired by Thirty Seven Signals, I had never done online app support in my life. My entire background had been restaurant uh, managing different restaurants, and then. Um, getting a degree in public education. So, you know, I, I was working with teachers and that kind of thing and, and students and all that. Um, but I was like the fifth or sixth hire when it comes to the support team. If you ask me to, as a novice, come in and we need to set up a, a good knowledge base. We need to uh, get your input on, on different designs that we're looking at for customers. We need you to, to answer emails. We need you to, to take care of the Twitter and Facebook and grow the community and things like that. I think I would have been overwhelmed oh, yeah. as the first support person for this kind of job. So, um, Definitely, you're you're gonna learn. Uh, you know, I'm still learning every day on the job and that kind of thing. But that first one is is so critical. You, I wouldn't recommend hiring somebody like me for the first support hire at, at where I was two years ago. Anyways, if that makes sense. Now the chase now is good, but the, the chase, chase now is, is good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's just just a little different because back then it would have been, you know, if you said, "Hey, we need you to set up this knowledge base," I would have been like, "Wait, what? What's, How, a, what's a knowledge base?" <laughs> Is that the case? Is that like a database? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So, where do you find you then? I guess, where do you find the use today? Yeah, it's it's one of those that's that's tough because there's not just a a bunch of me's or, 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 you know, a bunch of Sarah's or or any other great support person just sitting out there kind of twiddling their thumbs. It's it's tough. Even, uh, you know, I was talking to, to the folks over at Wistia. They've got an open spot right now and they've, you know, they've had dozens of candidates apply and they just still haven't found the right one for them. Um, when we hired our, uh, when we were looking for new European kind of support, uh, people that are in Europe, not that Europeans do any kind of different support, but right. people that were in the UK and things like that, we waded through a good stack of, of apps looking for the right person. So, um, and, and this is 37 signals, right? We, we can kind of reach out and hire 
really, really awesome people. It's just tough. So when it comes to finding somebody like that, um, there, there's not a perfect answer for that. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things we do at Support Ops is we actually have a jobs page now that um, if you're in our community, then um, these are links if you're looking for good jobs at Media Temple or, or Wistia or, or Campaign Monitor or something like that. So when I hear about good people looking for jobs, I kind of send them there. So um, if you're looking for a job, check that one out, supportops.com forward slash uh, customer jobs. Um, but yeah, other than that, it, it's kind of, do you put a put an ad up on like monster.com because <laughs> it's not going to work <laughs> well you know another thing too i mean i i kind of know what a developer should make i kind of know what a front-end designer should make or uh sorry a front-end you know web developer or a ux designer you know i know what those roles probably should make in terms of salary mm-hmm. but when it comes to support i almost have no idea and i don't want to like undershoot it and hurt the person's feelings or offend them and i don't want to overshoot it and pay way too much cuz you know everybody's operating on a budget so i'm like not only when you find them then it's then it's like the next hurdle is how much do they expect to get paid and how much is an okay amount to pay for support, what is the range? What is acceptable? What is the norm? Yeah, now that one I can't answer because it's uh, it come up before in a couple of the sites I was looking for, and we were kind of comparing, uh, not like what I make or what specific people make, but ranges, right? Right. And it's it's all over the place. Like low end of the scale, we're talking um, somebody like um, uh, like Mailchimp. Okay, Mailchimp has a bunch of people that they pay for ten, twelve bucks an hour. And they're kind of the frontline customer support. And then you roll into other other apps that are out there making lots of money and that kind of thing. And they're, you know, they're paying their their support agents right at what junior programmers would make. So you're talking low end seventy, eighty thousand um, dollars. And and when it comes to kind of figuring out the salary for this kind of person, there's no well, there are wrong answers. You don't want to Personally, I don't want to pay somebody ten bucks an hour to be this kind of role. You know, you want to give them a good salary that they can live on. That absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, it, that it's not about lowballing. It's about being in the right ballpark, right? Um, so I'm a big fan of you know when it comes to your support person, they're just as valuable as as a programmer or designer. So put it right up there with them. You know, yay! I like that. <laughs> um, that's that's an easy one. Yeah, you know, of course, I I, I like money. I'm definitely a, a fan of money and that kind of thing. Really? Yes. It, it makes makes life easy, easier. Um, and, and I was pleasantly shocked when, because I'll tell you, you know, running a restaurant, I, I, I was running a restaurant working 50 to 60 hours a week and making $35,000 a year, which was insane. Absolutely insane. So when I moved into the job at 37 Signals and, and saw what they were offering me, which was, you know, well above that, um, it, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait, I, I can do a possible. job like that and, and get paid this amount and, and we're right. good? This is legal? This is legit? So They don't expect me to do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The job description is the job description? <laughs> when it comes to a support person, especially the first one that's going to be wearing all these different hats, um, pay them just like you would a designer or developer or anything else. They're just as vitally important. Now, would you say that if they are green or if they have experience? For the first support job, the the kind of the the perfect candidate yeah. we're talking about for you, uh, yeah, that rule would apply. If we're looking at somebody that's green that hasn't done this kind of job before, you can uh, start lower than that, but 
you know, be prepared to give them a raise and, and things like that if they do really right. well. Give them some goals to shoot for. I mean, obviously yeah. you want to see them excel. I mean, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just thinking, like, do we pay them a ton of money out, out of the box or do we kind of give them certain hurdles and certain goals to achieve to get over and get to? Yeah. You know, after that, for, after that first support hire, you're – you're taking a risk and I say taking a risk, but you know, you're, you're giving these people a shot and you know, if it doesn't work out at the end of that first year, you don't want to have wasted an extra 10 or $15,000 on, on their salary. Now, let me ask you what could potentially be a biased thing to talk about, or even maybe controversial. Does it matter on gender, male or female? Is there a particular person you know, gender-wise, that does support better, that maybe not so much does it better, like is an oh, I'm better than you, but more like is received better. Because you guys have the smiley faces. Right. I mean, I'm just wondering if you guys potentially track <laughs> that based on gender too. Uh, we don't track it based on gender officially. I'll say that. Um, you know, our uh, our support team is, is a pretty good split of male and female. And everyone does really great. You know, when, when, you, when you hire the right people, um, they're going to do well, no matter what gender and that kind of thing. However, I will say, and please don't anybody take this the wrong way or send me nasty emails or anything like that. I will say that there are customers out there that react to gender. You know, it's uh, if... Marissa is is fantastic on our support team. She's the one that that we joke around that has the highest. She's the queen of the smileys. She's always got oh, yeah. like a ninety eight or a hundred on her queen smiley of the score. smileys. Queen I like of the that. smileys, right? So she'll send an email to a customer and get a smile for it. I'll send the exact same email and get a frown for it. Oh, um, and vice versa too. There will be times that I send it out and exact identical responses, right? And for whatever reason, they just. React, and it comes down to we. I guess you know this is me personally guessing that um, it, it's just a gender thing. Maybe it sounds better when it's coming from a woman. Maybe it sounds better when it's coming from a man. That kind of thing. Maybe it's the photo. They didn't like my photo over her photo or something like that. Um, it, it's so weird because there's so many different factors that go into how a per- person reads an email and perceives the the agent on the other end, the, the support person on the other end. Yeah. Um, that gender is one that probably plays into that. Um, but definitely, definitely not one that you should worry about when you're hiring your support person. Yeah, I, I, you know, I worried about asking that question, but I figured it's the right question because eventually, you know, my boss is going to ask me, well, Adam, should we hire a male or female? And it's not the, the matter of being gender specific. It's just a matter of, you know, what makes sense? Does it matter? I mean, should that even be criteria, you know, or should it be based on what you said before, which is. It goes back to are they green or are they not green? You know, what are you hiring them to do? What what past experience do they have? Um, but I think at some point you you aim to please. So which please is better? Yeah, especially in the world of of online apps, that's a big thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's brought down uh, entire conferences because they didn't have enough women on a on a panel or something like that. So you're you're going to get that question when it comes to looking at a, a support person, and you know I've. I've been in an interview before where the guy actually come out and asked, you know, is it, is it because I'm a guy, is that going to kind of put me on a lower list? Are you looking for a female in this kind of role? Um, right. Which is illegal to answer, by the way. Don't answer right. that question. Don't, don't ever answer. <laughs> don't ever, ever answer yeah. that question or their age. You know, you'll get into so much trouble with that. Yeah, that's um, absolutely true. But I remember being on the call and, and the person that I was with was like, no, you know, that's one of those where we're looking for the best person regardless. And, and that's kind of how you should approach hiring. Find the right person regardless of, of 
their gender. You know, you're looking for that good past experiences. You're looking for people that can interact with customers and, and that smile and, and say hello and, and that have a personality and that are creative. And, you know, on the, the long, long list of things that you're looking for in a person, their gender is they're just at the very bottom. Well, let's go back to then what you were saying before, because you said you were in restaurant management, Mm -hmm. had never done anything online support-wise before, and let's be honest, you work at one of the, probably one of the coolest software development companies out there, in a lot of ways, uh, in many, many ways, leading the pack in terms of what to develop, when to develop it, how to develop it, how to market it, how to write books around it, how to sell your byproducts. I mean, you work for a company that thrives in the software community and leads the pack in a lot of ways. So how did you go from the the role you were playing before into support and how can we find more people like you? Are there school teachers out there? Or are there, you know, I mean, I'm just wondering where where is the where's the mark for good support people like you? Yeah, it's, you know, I got hired at the same time as uh, Joan Stewart, who's also on our team. And, and both of us were being hired on to replace the person that was leaving. And it was one of those where I was I was literally in the right place at the right time. Um, I'd been fed up with a, the restaurant world and the teaching world and all that. So I was looking to try something new and uh, sat down one night, saw the opening for 37 Signals and decided, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll send in, uh, send in my we don't really do resumes. We do kind of like websites that kind of convey who we are and and answer a couple of questions and all that kind of thing. But anyways, I sent all that in. um, And Jason gave me a call and we just started talking. And that was the big thing is, you know, whenever you put this job post up, you're going to get people that are applying it. And you want to look for people that have that background and and customer service some somewhere, right? So it doesn't matter if it's like me, I was I was in the restaurant and and teaching fields before that Joan was uh, in a librarian position before Um, Marissa was actually, uh, she's done a bunch of different things like retail and then manage some apartments and that kind of thing. Um, So you want to see people that are interacting with with other people and doing it well, right? So you don't want to see somebody who's bouncing around from Old Navy to Walmart to Gap and, and everything else every couple of months. And then you just give them a call and you start talking to them and you kind of feel them out and go, you know, is this somebody that when I throw a question their way has to stop and think for, for two minutes before giving me a reply? Um, do words just pour out of their mouth without a filter? They're not thinking about what the question I asked them was. Um, you know, what what can the person actually hold a conversation on the phone? Because if they can't, then they're not the right person for you. So what are some very good things to ask then? Like what, what are the magic questions? Magic, magic questions. Yeah. I mean the, the ones that like <laughs> literally shoot off fairy dust or something like that. Like <laughs> magic questions. Um, well, let me preface this by saying that, do you have those kind of questions when you go to hire a designer or developer? I don't know. It's been a while since I've <laughs> personally hired one. I'm sure I can come up with a list if I had to on the spot. Maybe the not, spot. but <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure I can come up with a few. The the one that does the trick for me, um, and, and kind of, I hate putting people in awkward situations, especially during in an interview, but at the same time, putting them in an awkward situation, making them think for a second, shows shows you what they're really like. So yeah. one of the ones I really like is um, for them to tell me how they would write a, a letter or an email or something to one of their exes, 
So, you know, they broke up with somebody, some relationship that they had, and uh, they, they're going to write an email or a letter or something like that to them because the, the situation Can is, it be a friend or does it have to be like an ex, you ex, know, an ex-girlfriend or something? Ex does it something. Have, or boyfriend. Ex-something. Ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, ex-best friend that you are not no longer getting along with. Um, anything where you had a relationship that was kind of turned rocky for whatever reason. And have you personally asked that question to somebody? I have. And it, it catches them off guard like it's supposed to. Right. Um, and, and makes them stop and go, hmm, okay. And, and then they kind of don't expect like this perfect answer to start flowing out from them. But you'll hear kind do, of... Wait, do you watch them while they're doing it or do you kind of give them, hey, I'll give you a minute, think about it, and then you write your answer, I'll come sit back down. Is that what you do? Or do you kind of just sit there over their shoulder and put on the pressure? Uh, usually that one comes out during a phone conversation. And, and I okay. kind of throw in there, you know, you can take... At the beginning of our conversation, I always tell them, hey, look, you can take a couple of however long you need to actually think about this, right? Um, so when I ask that question, you you get a good sense because if they kind of come out blaming the other person, you know, mm-hmm. well, I had this great friendship and and now they did this and they did that and they ruined it this way and it left me feeling whatever, you know, if, if they put all the blame back on the other person, um, it it... it feels weird because you're going to have customers that write in and if you have this person blaming other people then that's probably not the person that you want um, interacting with your customers but if you've got somebody that comes up and and kind of explains you know this is where things broke down in the relationship and these are things that I could have done differently and they could have done differently and and you know once they start kind of taking ownership and and saying you know here's how we could have fixed it uh, or here's how things could have been. Um, that's when you really see something noteworthy in a customer support person. Uh, like I said, you're going to have customers that write in and you want somebody that's going to take ownership of that problem, ownership of that situation and say, here's how we're going to make it better. Here's how we're going to fix things. Here's what we're going to do to get you on the right track rather than, oh, it's all your fault because you're not using the right browser. Right, right. So. Yeah, man, that's uh, that. That kind of makes me think about that one thing I shared with you when we had our our pre-call, I guess, when we had our our friend chat. Now that this one here is recorded, I'm not sure if this is like a that kind of friend chat anymore. This is like a podcast, but whatever. Um, my because I've been you know thinking about support for a while. I can't remember when I published this, but it was probably like six months ago or something like that, maybe five months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to read be reading one of Seth Godin's. Uh, blog posts and he was talking about the only purpose of customer support <clears throat> or uh, customer service and uh, and I was like had an epiphany when reading it because he was like you're not trying to change uh, their feelings you're trying to you're not trying to change the facts you're trying to change their feelings because no matter what you say the facts don't really matter it's how they feel yeah you know what I mean because like your button, like for example, uh, if I got locked out of base camp and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm totally locked out. You guys suck, whatever, whatever. It's like, well, you wouldn't write back, well, you're the idiot because there is the forgot password link right next to where you probably tried to log in and you saw the error and you should have clicked that. So you're the idiot. No, it's more like, um, you know, super sorry to hear about that. I mean, ah, man, what a frustration it must be to be locked out of Basecamp. I know how much you enjoy that. Did you notice there's a link down that says forgot your password? You can plug your email in there and you'll get an email and you can forget your, you can reset your password and boom goes the dynamite back to good luck, you know? And that would be a different way to approach it versus, hey, 
idiot, did you miss the, the link down there? You know? Yeah. And I would kind of take this a step further. Like here's, here's your, using that situation, here's how your bad, good and great support agents would react. Right. So they're locked out. Your bad agent says, Hey, you know, idiot, did you not see that the link It's right there below it? Yada, yada, that kind of thing. Right. Your good one would. Ex- also, there's a, uh, a knowledge base article that explains what an idiot you are. So go read this too. <laughs> yeah. Here's the link to Wikipedia about being an idiot. And, and um, so oh, your pictures there. <laughs> So you've got the the bad guy, the bad rep that's doing it that way. Then you have the good one who's actually genuinely wanting to help, right? So, you know, sorry, this is happening. Here's what we can do to fix it. Here's the link at the the bottom of the page that you need to click. And then you'll you'll get an email and you'll be able to log in. Everything's going to be great, right? Right. And here's a great reply. Here's somebody that's going to go above and beyond that you really want for that first support person. They're going to say, yikes, you know, we're really sorry that you're you're, uh, locked out right now. Um, They're going to do that whole spiel. But what sets them apart is they're going to go, I've I've went ahead and sent you a password reset email. Ooh. So that's going to hit your inbox in just a second. Use that link. And oh, if this happens again, here's how you can send that password reset email yourself. So when the customer gets that, they're going to get that password reset email at the same time. Everything's already going to be done. They don't have to lift a finger or anything. And that's going to diffuse the whole frustration situation really, really quick. And that's kind of what sets a good great support agent apart from a good one there's a key component there that you're assuming is going to be there though for that answer that the person Do you know what it is that the person is living and breathing no no, no. what's the, the key component that you have the ability to actually reset their password for them but you do right because think about it you've got their email address because they've sent it in i guess i guess and then I guess you, you just go click on the link step. yeah yeah I literally have that link bookmarked inside, so it takes me maybe two clicks to get to that page and paste in their email address. And it it saves so much. If it cuts even just one reply out from that email thread, then it, it, it it's going to save your day. It's going to make things a little bit easier, a little bit faster. Because I've had people um, in the beginning when I was green, I was doing what I thought was a good thing and being like, hey, here's how you can do this on your own. And people would write back to me and be like, well, I just want you to do it. Can you do it? Yeah. So, and that's yeah. another email well, that I have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. Yeah, you do. That, it. that is on. pretty neat, though. So, how do you time it then? So, let's say, I mean, this is probably getting a little bit deeper into this example, but I'm thinking about timing now because I would be like, okay, is my message perfectly crafted? Have I spell checked it? Did I double check that it's gonna, you know, do whatever it needs to do mm-hmm. that happen has to happen? And then, uh, then I send it, and then I reset their password. Is that what you do? Yeah. Um, so when I get a, a case like this, this this kind of typical case takes me maybe five to ten seconds to answer because, oh. yeah, I get it. And they say, hey, I don't know how to, to reset my password, right? So I'm bringing up that page in, in another tab inside the browser. And then while that's loading, I'm answering their email. And for this one, I've got what's called a snippet save. So using uh, an app like Text Expander lets me plug in basically everything I need them to know in that email inside of about five or 10 keystrokes. So I'm not literally typing out, yikes, sorry to hear that. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what I've done. Thanks and have a great day. That's actually just about, like I said, maybe five or 10 characters for me uh, that's plugging that that snippet into the email. So you do that, you hit reply on the, on the email to get it to them, you know, and then you paste in their email address and then send that right afterwards. And if everything works right, they'll get that email and then they'll get the, the password reset email right after it and it's going to look like magic. Now, sometimes 
it gets a little off. Sometimes that password reset email gets there first um, and kind of throws them for a loop for a second. Um, but 99.9% of the time it's, it's going to work out. And, you know, this, this big potentially frustrating situation is going to get resolved inside of, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds start to finish. So you said snippet. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you said text expander. Yep. Text expander is the best app that I have on my computer right now. The best. Cause the you can best. type a couple of keystrokes and you know, boom, you get your little snippet. Now, how do you share that with your other cohorts? Yeah. Now, some of your support apps are going to come built in with these kind of things. They're going to call them my, uh, macros or canned replies or things like that, right? And they think uh, that having all of these preset inside the, the support app makes it easy because everyone's, shared, uh, everyone's sharing these, right? I don't like that personally because I can't personalize it. Um, a reply from me is going to sound different than a reply from you, which is going to sound different than a reply from Marissa or Sarah or anybody else that works support, right? We've all got our own little styles of writing. Right. Um, So what we do at 37 Signals is we all have our own set of snippets. And then anytime that um, we, we see a case that's kind of new or a case that we don't have a snippet for or something that we're struggling to find the answer with, we just ask people inside of Campfire, uh, which is our group chat, our online chat tool. Um, and we go, hey, here's the, we copy and paste the email into it and say, this is what we're looking for. Has anybody dealt with this kind of thing before? And then usually somebody will pop up and say, yeah, you know, here's my snippet for this. They'll grab that snippet and take and customize it for themselves. Hmm. And then they're, they're all set. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those, I like having my own set of snippets um, because I, you know, when something goes wrong and somebody email, emails me, like, you know, the, the password resets. So I'm locked out of my account. Somebody emails me and the very first thing that I put in is, yikes, sorry about that. But Jim, who is uh, one of our guys over in the UK, doesn't talk like that. He's never said or really used the word yikes ever before interacting with us. And so for him to use it, it doesn't feel natural. If it doesn't feel natural in that email, then the customer's going to pick up on that. They're going to go, wait a minute, this this doesn't jive for some reason. What does he say then? I'm kind of thinking about what he might say instead of yikes. Um, on that one, I think he just goes with kind of like, sorry about that happening. Um, he also uses the word wonky, whereas I don't. So if I say, you know, that's a weird behavior, he might say that's a wonky behavior. Um, and he gets away with it because he's British. Yeah. Yeah, I so... I guess to to bring it to the forefront with uh, a name in particular. So we use Desk at right. Pure Charity. They have macros. Mm-hmm. I don't think they let you tailor it based on the person. I think it's the same macro for everybody. Right. At the same time, though, it's also applying labels and you know changing from pending to resolved mm-hmm. and some other cool things you can do too. So I mean, that's a little different, but I can see the the true benefit though of having it. You know. Kind of like, uh, you know, localized for lack of better terms. Yeah. It's, you're, you're localizing that response type individualized. To you. Individualized. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah, everyone's going to write differently. Um, I was talking with a guy on the site, uh, on the support op site earlier. And he was saying, you know, you use too many exclamation points in your example email. And I replied back, that's my style. That's what I do. So, Deal with it. <laughs> uh, it. It works with me, it works with my customers. It might not work with yours. You know, my customers are different than your set of customers. So, you know, if you get emails about people complaining about the fact that you use smiley faces or exclamation points, then don't use them. 
but we don't. We uh, our customers get that we have personalities, and they uh, they like hearing me say at the end of an email, "Have an awesome day." So. Yeah, I don't know if I say that ever. Have an awesome. I think I say that whenever, um, or I might be inclined to say that um, whenever it's a positive. Um, I guess finale. It mm-hmm. feels like a finale response, right? Then, because otherwise, I'm saying. I guess the canned version of like, let me know if you have any other questions or how it could be of more help or hopefully, you know, the information I've shared is is helpful to you. Let me know if not. Mm -hmm. Those types of responses. It's always, it's never around like, hope your day is super. Yeah. And and mine's kind of built into it, right? So, well, here, let me just pull it up real quick. So I type two characters. I type an M and a Q, which stands for more questions, right? Nice. And that gives me, if you have any other questions, just let me know. I'll be happy to help and have an awesome Wednesday. And it has my signature at the end. And then you know, Chase Clemens, 37 Signals Customer Support. And then one thing I'm trying out, uh, kind of A-B testing, is I've got at the end of that, uh, please note, I work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So it kind of lets people know when, when I'm there and answering emails. Um, uh, all that from, from two characters. So, um, and it, I wonder how many text expanders we just sold just talking about text <laughs> expander and, and making it easy. Cause you know, I used to use text expander and I like text expander. I think it's mm-hmm. a fantastic app. It's always bugged me on how it's actually worked though. Mm-hmm. You know, like it being in the system tray, it's not in the system tray. It's not a real app. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can't like tab, uh, command tab to it or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I loved it because it would tell me how many characters I've saved from typing, right? You like right. that feature? I do. When you're in your settings? like I do. I can't um, even remember how many because I don't use it anymore because I got I think I got mad at it for not working in certain apps and I just haven't readopted <laughs> it again. However, I have thought about readopting it with um, between certain blogging that I do and certain support stuff that I do. There's just a lot of stuff I do repetitively that just drive me crazy so yeah i mean there's only so many times that you can write uh, the whole ending snippet that i just said uh, and, <sighs> and just to give you kind of uh, an estimated time right so i've been using text expander for two years now um i've saved just look at the statistics that they've got in here i've used it uh 141,824 times an hour saved and this is me typing it my average is about 80 to 100 words per minute. Um, I've saved 660.25 hours in the past two years. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. And for like 30 or 40 bucks for it, no-brainer. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually who you should get to sponsor your show to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> text Expander, we're looking at you. I keep joking around. As much, as much as I talk about Help Scout and Text Expander, they should get bills, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm also a believer in helping other people too, yeah. right? It's all it's all about people helping people. Right. It's, you know, these are the tools that I use at the end of the day that work for me. And if they work for you, and I think they will, then, yeah. then use it. Well, them. I have used Texas Banner. I did like it a lot. I just happened to like stop using it. And, 660 I, hours, man. What would you do I with an extra 660 to... hours in two years? I don't think there is 660 hours in two years, is there? You know, I say that, and I don't think that maybe that's minutes. Is that minutes? Yeah, it might be. I don't know. That's a see. This is a, a bag design right here because they don't tell you is that minutes Uh-oh. or is that hours. Oh man, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot, though. 
And you know, on that note, let's let's go ahead and take a break for this episode. We've got a lot more to talk about, so I'm going to go ahead and split this interview into two different parts. You know, that way we don't end up with a super long show overall. You can chat more with Adam over on Twitter. He's at Adam Stack, so A-D-A-M-S-T-A-C, or head over to his website, adamstakoviak.com. A big thanks to Chase Livingston, our podcast producer, and to HelpSpot for sponsoring this episode. As always, let me know what you thought of this one talk with me on twitter the handle's at support ops shoot me an email it's show at supportops.co. something new you can actually call in and leave me a question for the show it's a brand new thing we're trying out just go ahead and leave me a message at supportops.co forward slash message i'm chase and until we meet again have an awesome week you.